It is a very big welcome to everybody tuning in today to episode 24 of Out on the Paddock. It's November 23. Cricket around regional Western Australia is well and truly up and running now. Um, that beautiful smell of uh, linseed oil on the bat or a brand new cricket ball is everywhere for everyone to enjoy right now. My name is Rob Marshall. I'm the chair of the WA Country Cricket Board and the host of this podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time today, uh, we'd really love for you to, to subscribe and listen in to future episodes. You can also rate us in the app. Make sure you tell us how, what you think of this humble little podcast. And, and we'd really encourage you also to have a listen back to some amazing episodes over the last few years that we've had, including recent episodes with... Uh, the likes of Craig Tonkin from down in Albany, legends of WA country cricket that I reckon if you haven't had listened before, you'll really enjoy. And we're really hoping that you'll enjoy today's guest. It's a name that many of you in WA country cricket probably will recognise via perhaps an email you've received or some sort of correspondence or perhaps you've been hunting around on websites. Our guest today is none other than Andrew Hayes, who is... Um, our man, let's put it that way, at WA Cricket when it comes to WA Country Cricket. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Thanks, Rob. Thanks very much for having me. We'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper into who the heck Andrew Hayes is in a minute because I reckon there's a, a few people who go, yeah, I've heard the name, but uh, not quite sure who he is. I'm sure they say that about Rob Marshall too, just quietly. But let's get into having a chat to Andrew and uh, getting to know Andrew Hayes a little bit better. Andrew's role at WA Cricket, as I said, is probably, from a regional point of view, one of the most important that we've got um, in WA country cricket. But where did it all start? How did, where, tell us, Andrew, where did you uh, grow up and perhaps where, where did cricket really start to get into your blood? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks for the introduction. Um, interesting. I suppose the first bit of news that will shock a lot of people is that uh, I'm actually Victorian. So oh. uh, born in Victoria, um, probably accounts for why I'm a fanatical Tigers supporter. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, born in born in Victoria, um, spent the first ten years of my life um, growing up over there uh, in a sort of suburb of Mentone, and then my father, who was a, a firefighter over um, over there, uh, decided to retire and um, pack us all up and headed home. To WA, so I've pretty much been here since uh, since then, 1977. So it's been a long time. So I'm guessing you were around about 10 when you came to WA, if I've got my math right. Um, do you have memories of how that panned out? Were you kind of like homesick? You know, one of those. I won't say one of those Victorians, but a Victorian who was already a proud Victorian and wanted to get back to Victoria, or did you kind of discover WA and fall in love with it? No, I think it was definitely falling in love, uh, finding out about WA and falling in love with it. Like we did um, do the, the few trips leading into the, the big move to come over and visit family and those sorts of things. And um, it was always, like we always had a good time. So I think when the message or the information got dropped that we were moving from one side of the country to the other, it was there was more excitement around being with family than it was so much about um, being Victoria and having to move to WA. And you know, my love for WA uh, has grown ever since. And, you know, I don't, apart from um, supporting Richmond Footy Club, um, everything else is WA. I'm with WA for the cricket, you know, WA for the footy, apart from the Eagles and Dockers, but state of origin, <laughs> all those sorts of things. Uh, I consider myself to be a West Aussie. Mate, I, I reckon you might have went out of your way to get a job at uh, the Wacker, so just so you could wear the yellow and black every day, I'm guessing, but uh, that must be a dream come true. Yeah, no, look, absolutely, and I'm reminded of that all the time. So um, I do actually get my Richmond shirts mixed up with, me, uh, with my WA cricket ones <laughs> in the wardrobe, so it can always be a bit of an issue. You, um, you've obviously settled in WA and we'll get into your country journey in a moment, but do you want to tell us a little bit about your wife and, and kids at the moment? Yeah, sure. Look, um, yeah, I've been married to my lovely wife, Nicole. Actually, she's very, uh, she puts up with a lot, um, <laughs> especially when you hear about all the bits and pieces that I've done over the years. But yeah, no, married to Nicole for uh, 25 years this year. 
Um, I've got two wonderful daughters that I'm very proud of. Uh, Emma is currently in her third year of teaching in Narragin. Right. Um, so uh, doing really well down there. And my youngest daughter, Sarah, is in her second year of uh, university course. So um, even though they both moved out of home, they keep Nicole and I, well, Emma, Sarah's still at home on a part-time basis between herself and her boyfriends, but um, we're both very proud of them. And um, yeah, they're a big part of my life. And growing up through the Perth school system in particular, did cricket uh, play its role? Did you get involved with cricket at school level? Yeah, very much so. So um, I grew up in Bassendine, um, still live um, in Bassendine today, um, haven't really moved far away. Um, I attended St Mark's College uh, in Bedford and Highgate, it's now known as um, Chisholm, it's sort of moved on a little bit, it was uh, Christian Brothers. And uh, I think that's where my love of sport really, really took off. Um, a lot of football, a lot of cricket at school. Um, it was it was pretty big. And um, yeah, um, not only my love of the game, but also some of the role models I had as as coaches and things like that have really inspired me uh, to want to continue to coach and, and be able to impact and uh, influence young people's lives like some of those people did for me. Yeah, and I know the bit I do know about you, obviously, which has been more in latter years, is your passion for coaching and and that has played an important role in certainly bringing to the table um, how important our high performance in the country is and your approach to that is is really clear to me that uh, you have a real understanding and a real passion for that. Was there a moment where maybe... You did dream of going places with cricket, but it just was never going to be, you know. Was it sort of like after you'd made your third duck in a row or whatever, you know, you kind of the baggy green got a bit further away? I know for many of us that's how it probably worked out. Yeah, I think so. I think as soon as I stopped playing so much uh, backyard cricket against my brother where I used to always win and then I actually started putting pads <laughs> on and stuff and started playing against uh, kids of my own age and I didn't go that well, I... The, the dream pretty much went poof. So, um, yeah, no, pretty early on I got the idea that it, that wasn't going to be something that I was going to do and I was going to have to play for an enjoyment and, indeed, I did do that. And yeah. I think I think that comes out as well in uh, some of the things that I've seen you do over the journey that we'll get deeper into in a moment with your role at WA Cricket is that if you're not enjoying cricket as the first port of call, then what what are you doing, you know? And uh, I think sometimes we, even at a country level, forget that. And uh, I, I certainly know that we as a country cricket board, our number one role is to make sure that or try and make sure that uh, cricket around regional WA is enjoyable. That's the first thing is our number one goal because if, without an enjoyment for the game, then really why are you doing it? You're probably better off going off and doing something else. But... Uh, uh, that that's yeah, very clear. It is something that is a hundred percent the goal of of many of us who play a role in administrating country cricket. Well, hopefully, we try our very best. Anyway, when did country first come into your veins? When did that start to happen? Yeah, so um, probably country first. Uh, got exposed first to country when I was working for the ANZ Bank. So. Um, straight out of school, I wanted to be a school teacher when I was in school, um, but unfortunately didn't get the, the marks and TAE, probably mucked around a little bit too much. And um, the first thing my dad said to me after I didn't get quite get enough uh, marks to get into uni was to say, well, you're not sitting around, so you need to go and find something. So I, I applied at a few banks and um, got an offer from the Commonwealth and the ANZ, and I think the ANZ paid me about $1,000 extra per annum. And that was the only reason why I chose ANZ. So I ended up being there for 27 years. Can you believe it? Wow. Um, and as I said to a few people, you don't stay at that at a place like that for that long and not enjoy it. So I'd be lying to say that I didn't have a, a big uh, and very fulfilling career in banking with the ANZ. But going back to your question, yeah. So I did get some exposure there with my country stints. Um, I did some small stints in Beverly and York, which were just absolutely fantastic, and then a few uh, longer stints in in Esperance and um, Kalgoorlie. Um, and I think that you know, being exposed or working with people, farmers, um, just really good people in the country, just yeah. getting to speak to them and deal with them um, on a completely different level, and you know, they're completely different to metro people. Uh, uh, and don't ask me to explain exactly what I mean, but there is there is just this thing about 
being in a country town, working in a country town and working with country people. It's just, uh, it was amazing. So I think that's where, where my hook uh, came in um, and where my interest is now. It's one of the things that I know a few of us who sit around and bemoan the fact that it's getting harder sometimes to find um, players to play in a local cricket club, wherever it might be around regional WA. And the reality is that it was really, really common in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s perhaps, that just about every summer you could look forward to a what we would call a bank johnny come to, um, to to your local yep. town who either played cricket or was willing to have a crack at cricket or whatever. We, With the disappearing branches around Australia these days, you know, most towns are struggling to have a bank in their town. That is one of the things that sadly has disappeared and the, the banks did always play a really important part. Quite often it might be a little bit of side sponsorship as well for the local cricket club, those sort of things. Um, sadly, aren't quite as prevalent as they used to be. Um, and I think what you're calling out also is I don't know of too many people who spend 27 years working in a bank these days either. I mean, I, I'm, I'd be surprised if the ANZ haven't built a bronze statue for you somewhere, Andrew, surely, no, no. <laughs> with all that. Thankfully, they, thank, thankfully they didn't. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, it was a fair stint. And, and you're right, like, you know, when I went to Esperance, um, there was... I think there was about 20 staff on there and um, back then 15 of us were male and we all played in the Esperance Cricket Association on the weekend. I mean, I did a fill-in. I filled in for for multiple clubs, mind you, but, yeah, we all played. Um, And now we go back to the ANZ Bank in Esperance nowadays and I think they're open less, they're open on less days and I think there's about four staff. There you go. And it, it, it does. It calls out some of the challenges that regional cricket clubs have now that they never used to have to have. I mean, school teachers probably very similar as well. When you, um, when you finished with the, the bank, what was the next move? Was that the move to WA Cricket? Uh, no, so I had a little bit of a, a time, uh, about a 12-month break in between, and um, during that time I did some finance broking at home. So working in the bank for so many years and I was uh, a manager for most of that time. I didn't spend a lot of time at home, so I was really wanting to be a uh, stay-at-home dad for 12 months to give that a go. And I lasted six months, Rob. <laughs> I started going stir-crazy. Um, so it was, it was a bit of a novelty to start off with, but once I started spending time by myself all the time uh, and no sort of, uh, you know, sort of human contact apart from the phone. I was like a puppy when the girls and, and Nicole got home from their, <laughs> their work and I think I just became a pain in the neck. So, look, I, um, I decided that uh, it wasn't for me working from home um, and I started looking for some other things and um, naturally uh, I sort of gravitated towards cricket trying to um, leverage off some of my experience administrating and coaching. Mm. So do you remember where the first opportunity came about and and were you taken by surprise that there was an opportunity perhaps with country cricket to get back invested with that? Yeah, I was. Uh, initially, I was trying to look at roles that um, I could use from a coaching perspective, um, you know, based on my experience. Um, I had been a cricket club president um, over the journey at, at Bassendine Junior Cricket Club where I was president there for a few years. So I did have some administration type experience, but um, I only looked at a couple of coaching roles and thought, no, nah, no, nah, I'm way out of my league for those. And then this country cricket coordinator role um, came up and, um, you know, I'd spoken to Steve a few years earlier about an, another role when I was still working in the bank when I could see the writing on the wall and it wasn't for me at that time. So I linked up with Steve again and had a chat and it went from there, and I guess, yeah, the rest is history. So, Steve, you're referring, of course, to Steve Philippi, um, who effectively became um, your boss, I suppose, if that's the term. What, do did. you want to just sort of uh, unpack what was the initial role that you took with WA Country Cricket? So it was um, the title called the Country Cricket Coordinator, and um, it was pretty much 70% administration and the other 30% was involved with working with, at that time, the Pilbara Regional Cricket Board. The uh, participation and growth of the game in the northwest was on the cusp of exploding and there was no cricket manager in that sort of uh, Kimberley, Pilbara region at that point. So um, Tim Lees, who some of the audience might remember, um, 
being involved in country cricket was my predecessor. And um, when he left to, to pursue a teaching career, there was an opportunity to replace that his role, but also add the Pilbara Regional Cricket Board on. So it meant from an administration point of view, it was all about organising country weeks, regional carnivals, um, all those types of administration type tasks. And the rest of it was dealing with the new Pilbara Regional Cricket Board to help them promote and get the game up and going in the northwest. And, and that that part of it, I'd love to for you to explain to our listeners, that, that must have been extremely rewarding because one of the areas of regional cricket, whilst we've sadly seen some areas uh, struggling and we've talked about some of the reasons, you know, less and less people coming into the community, less and less opportunities to be able to recruit from occupations that possibly don't even exist anymore in some cases. But it was quite the opposite in the Pilbara, wasn't it? It's kind of like this, uh, you know, this gold mine just ready to be mined, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, It was impossible, actually, to do anything wrong in their eyes, to be honest. Um, You know, when I first jumped on the plane, I think the first thing I did was um, organise a a regional camp for some youngsters in Caratha over over a weekend. And, you know, I can remember that's my first experience you know, country program, and I went up there with Michael Thistle, who was appointed to join me from a, a WACA perspective. And those, the people, um, the parents, and the kids were just so happy to have someone up there with a uh, WACA shirt on to, um, you know, to pass on anything we could. And I would have been the only person to have known that wasn't going well or wasn't going the way I anticipated because they were just so wrapped to see us. And that um, had continued on. I mean, we just went up there and um, provided opportunities for people to be involved in cricket and they just, um, you know, they just came along in, in in droves. So early days, it wasn't that hard to get people involved and sell the story of an opportunity that could be possibly there for them if they wanted to um, take it further. So no, it was, it was an amazing time and it's an amazing part of the world too, for that matter. And one of the challenges for the Northwest cricket, of course, is that they can't play the traditional season that we're launching into right now. They have to play at a, a slightly different part of the year for obvious reasons with the weather like it is. Um, and yet we still see them participating so well at the likes of Junior and Senior Country Week and at different carnivals throughout the summer. So I think, you know, what some of the things that you did and were able to, I guess, inspire or, if that's the word, or or, or almost um, educate is probably the word, the opportunities that do exist um, across the state when it comes to WA country cricket. I'm going to put down to being really important, Andrew. I think you did a magnificent job of obviously observing from a board point of view and uh, your legacy there is very clear for everyone to see. So I think it's something you, you, you could be very proud of. And, of course, now in your new role, you still have an extended oversight of that as well. Um, before we get too deep into that, do you want to explain what evolved earlier this year with your previous role and now your current role? What we, We've heard previously from Steve Philippi, who we now know has um, moved on from WA Cricket. The opportunity obviously came up for you to, to um, put your hand up for that role. Is that right? Yeah, look, that's right. Yeah. So um, surprisingly, Steve, um, Steve came to me and let me know that he was um, on his way. He decided that he, he needed a, a change and uh, he was moving on to something to reinvigorate Rechallenge after you know a long career here at WA Cricket in a, in a variety of roles. So, you know, he, he sort of said to me, "Look, um, uh, you know, I encourage you to apply. I think you're I think you're the right man for the job. Um, you know, whilst you know what's um, what's going on behind the scenes, you've also got a pretty good idea about what needs to be done to take things forward. And you know, um, whilst you're not going to be able to do it overnight, he says, you know, I think you've got the energy and the passion and the motivation to do it. So. Um, on the back of that, um, I didn't really hesitate to apply, um, and um, thankfully through the process, which was really good, you know, I got to have a good think about what I wanted to do, and I got to sell that to the people that were making the decision, and I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity. So, yeah, you're right. I'm now overseeing the whole the whole box and dice, and um, yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge, and there's definitely still learnings for me, but I'm looking forward to it, and uh, and at this stage, I'm enjoying it very much. 
when you say box and dice, I do I do put it out there occasionally. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will, uh, will will tell me I haven't quite got it wrong. But in geography alone, in miles or kilometres alone, I think you just about are oversight as the area manager for cricket in a region as big a region as there is in the world. I mean, there wouldn't be too many re- in in size from the uh, the top down to the bottom, uh, maybe not in numbers, but certainly in size. It'd be hard to argue that you're not uh, basically oversight of, of an immensely large area of land when it comes to covering cricket. And I think that's one of the things that we are really pleased about as the WA Country Cricket Board and that is that WA Cricket as a whole acknowledges how huge, awesome it is to try and maintain country cricket in this state. Uh, I get to speak to a lot of the other chairs these days of other states around Australia and they have their challenges but not perhaps to the, the degree that we do here in WA and yet we we are very much held up across Australia when it comes to country cricket as one of the, the you might say, gold star states. We're definitely, we definitely do more than perhaps some other states and we won't name them or shame them or anything like that. Um, and so that, to me, Andrew, your role here is, is huge. You can't do it alone, though. A lot of people probably don't understand that basically at the at WA Cricket there is what we call the Country Cricket Unit and you obviously are the lead of that. Do you want to explain to the listeners what your team is and what where they are and what they do? Sure. Yeah, look, um, yeah, look the Country Cricket Team, uh, a very popular team in the Community Cricket Department. Um, we're known to have a little bit of banter and a little bit of fun when we all do get the, the opportunity to come together in Perth for our... Um, our three season meetings. So, um, yeah, look, I'm very proud of this bunch. Uh, we're pretty much newly formed um, after the restructure. But just to give you a little bit of an idea about the team, I've got five country cricket managers that service the region. So we've got um, Mel Williams, who's in the Wheat Belt, Tia Hatch in the Midwest, Jesse Little, who looks after the Southwest and now the Peel Country um, Clubs. Uh, in the Great Southern and also looking after Esperance is Jared Hatch. And finally, the Northwest and Eastern Goldfields uh, goes to Michael Bailey. So it's probably a pretty big uh, region to look after. Not all those people are in the actual regions themselves. So um, Michael, or Bales as we know him, uh, works from Perth um, and he um, flies in and out of the Northwest, um, which is pretty much the way it's been done for since I took on the role. So he has a pretty big job. Um, so those cricket managers are responsible for driving participation, growth, and also some talent ID sort of events and things in there. Um, as part of the restructure, we're also really lucky in country WA, and this was a, a really big thing that I was pretty firm on coming out of the restructure, was our own coach and talent specialist, um, specifically for country. And that's not taking anything away from, and I'm sure the audience will be familiar with the name Job Van Bunge, um, who also did a lot of um, advocating and a lot of work in the country coach and talent space, but he also had a role in Metro, which meant that he couldn't dedicate all his time. But Chris Seckers, our new coach and talent specialist for the country, and he's hit the ground running. I'm sure everyone has probably already seen him because he's a very busy, very busy man. And we've also recently welcomed um, to a participation and clubs officer uh, helping out Jesse in the southwestern Peel, Lowen Ferry. Um, and it's his role to look after some of those clubs, the Peel Country Clubs and some of those schools. Last but not least, another role that came out of the um, the restructure, Rob, was the role of regional cricket manager. And that role has been taken up by Darcy Middleton, who um, was formerly the uh, cricket manager down in the Great Southern. Um, Darcy manages the Southwest regions. So he looks after those cricket managers directly. They report to him. But I suppose the major focus that we want Darcy's role to sort of form or morph into is the real strategic growth of cricket across country WA. So um, he gives us another lens on which to, well, um, another strategy lens, if you like, to move away from the, the transactional type stuff to really looking at what we need to do to, to take the game forward in the country regions at the same rate as being, as being planned in the metro. 
And do you want to sort of just unpack for us and for those listening in a little bit about what each of those, mostly our cricket managers, what what is their day to day role? What what are they there for? I think yeah. um, there may be some misconceptions on in some cases over the years as to what they're there for. I'm suggesting they're not there to, you know, be at training on a Thursday. Uh, throwing balls at a 55-year-old uh, guy who's, you know, uh, trying to make his way in vet- Masters cricket, just politely. So that's referring to me, of course, um, although I think I'm 56 <laughs> now, so I'll, I'll, I'll retract that. Um, what What is it that the country managers are there for and the value that country cricket clubs can get by embracing country uh, managers such as Tia or Jesse, for example, yep. and the names you mentioned? Yeah, look, first of all, the cricket managers should be considered the, the first port of call for anything from anyone in country cricket, whether that be the 56-year-old Rob Marshall uh, down to Mrs Smith, who's got a four-year-old turning five that wants to come and play cricket. If the cricket manager can't solve the problem or redirect it in the right area, then there's plenty of support that sits behind them here at WA Cricket in which to do that. Um, but the role of the cricket manager is fairly fluid and um, and it changes based on what their strategic strategic plan is. But I can tell you at the moment in the current in the current um, climate, the focus is really around um, five to twelve year old getting more five to twelve year olds in the country playing cricket, followed very closely by the increase of girls, young girls um, again in that five to twelve year old getting them involved in, uh, in the game of, of cricket. So some of those things that you'll see them doing is working very closely with volunteers and stakeholders who are running the Woolworths Cricket Blast programs. Um, and that's recent, uh, this year they've been revamped um, based on a lot of the feedback that we had from stakeholders that it wasn't really hitting the mark in terms of getting kids involved. So it's really moved and uh, has changed a fair bit. And we're getting some really good indications early on that it's, starting to fit the bill of what people expect. So there's our, our people are, are working with those coordinators. They're working and talking with parents, trying to get them involved as much as possible. Um, and also working with the schools and trying to transition kids out of the school clinics and into the, their local, the local clubs. So the days of simply going in and doing promotional visits at schools have changed a bit where there's a lot of work being done to try and transition and work alongside local stakeholders to, so that, you know, if, if a kid comes home with a flyer and says, mum, I've had cricket today, or, you know, she, the daughter comes home and says, dad, I want to go and play cricket, they know who to contact and we can help them hold their hand and get them down to the local cricket blast centre and get them, getting them playing. It's crucial for our game as a whole, and, and Cricket Australia obviously called that out in their strategic plan by nominating five to 12-year-olds has been critical in the cricket space. I had the pleasure on the weekend of presenting a cap to a young boy who uh, was making his A-grade debut for Leshnault Cricket Club and he I've coached him since he was five and what was probably more pleasing was I looked around the team and there were three other kids in that team who had started in what we called into cricket back in the day or the T20 blast and had made their way through. Now, the facts are, uh, I think in my case, Andrew, I had 60 kids in a program back then and I did a a bit of a count up and we've only got six now who are still playing cricket. So, you know, if you want a team of 11 at your cricket club, you're really going to need 100 odd kids you know, if you're working on a basis of around 10%, you need a broad base to end up with kids playing in your town. And we we just called out the fact that the opportunities to get bank um, workers or bank managers or teachers is, is limited. So the importance of growing that kid's base who are loving cricket to play cricket, and if they do stay in your town, there's a good chance that they will stick around and play for your local cricket club. So the country um, cricket managers are there to try and keep that momentum going on a daily basis and I think you've just really called that out really well. With with yourself and the team, if you were to sort of sum up what are the, what are the things that you guys talk about as a team that you want to keep contributing to and impacting on in towns around regional Western Australia? Is it is it purely about numbers or are there other things that you're really looking to tap into in a local town or community? 
I think that the focus on numbers would be um, would probably be the, the wrong thing. I mean, um, I think with uh, with data and numbers, you can you can interpret them the way you want to yeah. to come up with a with a message that you want to want to sell. So I'm very firm on um, you know I, I think it's built around, and this comes from a lot from my background about um, building relationships with with people and getting to know people and getting to understand uh, how they tick and, and what sort of um, roadblocks um, uh, get presented and, and to help them um, around those roadblocks. So, you know, whilst growing those numbers and, as you said, you know, you, you need to have 100 kids to end up with with maybe uh, 20 kids in a couple of years' time. I mean, that that's a fact. But if you can create a good experience, um, not only for the kids but for their parents, then you'll have people volunteering and you'll have kids staying in the game. And, you know, that, that better experience needs to be continu- needs to continue all the way through. So it's not, I'm not just, I mean, I'm talking five to twelves, but, you know, junior cricket, like there needs to be a good experience. So, you know, if we think in country cricket that we can still get 14-year-olds playing 50, 60 over cricket, um, on a Saturday afternoon when it's 40 degrees, that's just not going to happen in this, these days. So we need to move to formats. We need to have a look at what has, what has been provided. We might even have to go down the social route. Some kids might not even want to put a pad or a helmet on and that might stop them from actually having a go. So, yeah. you know, we're working on, um, on ways of, of doing cricket differently, um, to try and get more people playing. And that's kids and, and adults for that matter. Colour, excitement, it's what it's all about now. Um, And a a conversation I had with you recently really kind of, you you opened my eyes to something I hadn't really thought about. I know there's plenty of us involved in veterans and masters cricket now, sort of proudly saying, you know, numbers are amazing, it's growing, it's one of the biggest growth areas in, in cricket in WA and probably across Australia is masters and veterans cricket. But as you pointed out to me, that won't isn't sustainable or won't last if you don't have five to twelve year olds who will one day be fifty five and fifty six year olds who want to continue to play cricket. So, it's a really really critical role right now for our country cricket managers. Um, but they can't do it without the local clubs around regional WA embracing them and working with them to build that huge base that uh, will then filter through to being the local cricket club in that town or in that community. If you were to sum up one last thing when it comes to uh, what you sort of strongly believe in around country cricket, what would it be? Is there, is it about opportunities? You know, we've seen recently a lot of, well, I guess not seen, but we, we feel a lot of pride with seeing the likes of Sammy Whiteman, um, Teague Wiley, Lance Morris, um, you know, there's three or four others that have had incredible impact in WA cricket at a shield level and even through to a national level that have all come out of the country. Is that is that something that is obviously still a desire for you guys and your team to not only foster the growth of the game but also make sure that the opportunities are there for those players coming through that have talent? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, look, 100%. I mean, one, one of the things I learned very early on from... Um, from my country experience was that people working and living in the country are very resilient and they're very resourceful. Um, it's always, yes, we can, as opposed to, as to no, we can't. So, you know, they're immensely proud of their towns and their sense of belonging. It's, it's a really important part of their, their, their culture. So I'm a very strong believer. And, you know, I've said this over the whole time I've worked in country cricket is one of the things that myself and my team want to make sure as that, being our legacy is that country players um, and stakeholders, for that matter, get to experience the, current, the cricket the same way, if not better, um, and have the same opportunities at state and, and um, uh, national level as what Metro players do. Um, so our country pathways, both junior and senior, are so really important. And, you know, I know you you gave the example of your cat presentation the other day. Well, I, I had the pleasure of um, presenting Josh Vernon um, from Dampier, um, who in that first stint that I referred to earlier in the Pilbara, where we were just going in there and doing cricket clinics, was a, a young kid that just made sure he was the first person <laughs> in front of me when I was <laughs> speaking. And um, and look, earlier this uh, this season, I had the opportunity to present Josh with his um, his first grade cap at Midland Guildford wow. um, for his first grade debut, and um, you know it was uh, a really proud moment for 
for Josh, but um, I was really, really humbled. And, you know, Josh has gone on to play cricket for his country uh, at underneath, under 19th level. And and he's, his is an example, along with the, the Chloe Paparos, the Sam Whitemans, um, you know, all those people is, they're just really great examples of what can be achieved. And it's really important that we continue to provide those opportunities because it is possible um, if if you're good enough and you get the opportunity and someone um, sticks by you and, and gets you through. And that's what our legacy needs to be. And I'll call it, uh, if you, you haven't gone and had a listen in a previous episode of Out on the Paddock, we had a wonderful conversation with Josh Vernon just before he headed off to England to represent the Australian under-19s. And uh, he did that proudly over there. We've also got Marley Beedman that's um, come out of the Northwest and is representing um, at a national level. We've we've got talent and it's really, really important that uh, we encourage, as you've just said, um, our communities to get around those as much as we encourage communities and clubs, local clubs, to get around the kids who possibly are never going to get anywhere near that. A baggy green's not going to be on their radar potentially, but the opportunity to pull on a cap for Wild Catchem or for uh, Kojanup or whoever it might be, Mount Barker, right through to, you know, uh, Royals down in Albany or perhaps towns up in Geraldton or Marist here in... In Bunbury, it's um, that that's critical. I saw the pride in Eli. That's the young fella I presented the cap to on Saturday. The absolute pride of pulling on the the baggy green of Lashnall Cricket Club. That's uh, just as important in my mind as anybody uh, representing our state or our country. It's where they're at and where they're passionate about that we're really really keen to foster in WA country cricket. In the last part, sadly, we've got to always bring things to an end on somebody's story, but I did promise it. We, one of the roles that uh, you have is oversight of all our country programs and obviously working alongside the likes of myself and the WA Country Cricket Board. What I thought was we would use this opportunity just to drill into some background knowledge on a couple of these particular programs that we're going to call out, but also use this opportunity at the start of this season to make sure everyone's aware of what's happening with the various country programs, the various country carnivals um, and opportunities that are there. So the first one I think we'll have a a deep dive into for a few moments is the Country Cup. It's up and running. Uh, We've already had one round, I think, if I've got that right, of the Country Cup at this point and uh, a couple of close matches. Country Cup of the last three or four years has been outstanding. It just seems to be a very, very even competition this year. We've got the BDCA, Bunbury and Districts Cricket Association. We've got the Albany Cricket Association. We've got um, the WA Invitational 11, which uh, effectively brings together players from the likes of um, the the Northwest, the Midwest, the Goldfields and the Wheat Belt in particular. Um, but we also have Peel in the competition this year, and I'm going to hand back to you to explain what's evolved with Peel. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that one? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, look, the Belt Up Country Cup, uh, as, as you've just summarised there, is um, going, going ahead in leaps and bounds. So we've had one round. Uh, next round is uh, 3rd of um, December. Then we've got another game in the, on the 4th of February, and then the final, of course, hopefully will be at the Wacker Ground on the 25th of Feb. But yeah, interesting. Um, people might think, well, Peel have always been in the Country Cup, but um, this year uh, to sort of align with um, some decisions that were made around Senior Men's Country Week, um, the Peel team this year is going to be made up purely from players who represent the five uh, country clubs that play in the Peel Cricket Association. So um, those players um, will only come from those clubs as opposed to being across the whole of the association, which is a, a major first and a, a wonderful opportunity for those um, Peel clubs or country clubs to showcase some of the, the hard work they've been doing in terms of developing their players. So, yeah, very excited to see how they go and um, they've got off to a pretty good start. Yeah, they certainly did. They pushed Bunbury all the way in a, in a match that I went and watched in at Hay Park in Bunbury a couple of weeks ago. The Peel country team were, were exceptional and uh, we're really, really thrilled that they have embraced that opportunity and we're really hopeful that that will open some doors for some kids in Pinjarra, Waruna, that region, Mandurah, 
uh, who perhaps in a much wider competition that included some teams that were now probably very much uh, more uh, aligned with Metro. It just gives those opportunities and we're really thrilled that that Peel have embraced that. And uh, Peel Cricket Association still continues in the same way that Peel Cricket Association always has and we we, we celebrate that. We uh, Peel have been a, a major force in country cricket for a long, long time now, um, but the focus is very much now on, on those kids and those um, players who are residing and playing within those country-based towns through Mandurah and uh, Pinjarra and Maroona. With uh, the under-14 regional carnival, which is also played in Peel, yep. that's, uh, we've got some dates on that, Andrew. Yeah, we have. So, um, yeah, the under-14 regional carnival uh, is held, or will be held on the 1st to the 4th of March. Sorry, Rob's actually at Bunbury Cathedral um, Grammar. But um, I just wanted to flag there that um, at that carnival, it's our first look at um, country kids at this age. So um, each region is represented or has a representative team that's um, selected to represent their region. And for the first time ever, um, again, off the back of some changes around Peel, we're actually going to have uh, a team that's going to represent those country clubs at this age group at that at this carnival. So it'll round it out nicely. We'll end up with eight teams, which makes it much easier from a fixture point of view. But again, we're really excited to have a truly representative um, group. So it's going to end up with about 96 country players of that age group all coming to Bunbury to show us their wares and hopefully be selected for the under-15s um, country team. So it's going to be a massive weekend, but one that we, my team especially look forward to. So that's the 1st to the 4th of March 2024 for the under-14 regional development carnival. It's not in Peel, as I just said. It is down in Bunbury at the Grammar. Um, <laughs> and we, uh, again, use that. That's a really, really important regional development carnival. Has been for a long, long time now and uh, really is that starting point for so much of our talent. We've got the Australian Country Cricket Championships coming up from the 3rd to the 10th of January for our um, WA Country 11 men's and women's. A lot happening right now, Andrew, around that. Selections really starting to take shape. Perhaps just uh, remind everybody um, the coaches of those two teams. Yep, sure. So the, um, the, the men's senior men's coach is Sean Gillies and the uh, senior women's coach is uh, Chris Secker. And um, the teams are travelling across to Newcastle between the 3rd and the 10th of January um, next year. And as you said, Rob, um, we're well into preparations. Um, the WA Country 11 um, program has been operating within the Premier Cricket Competition. Um, there's been two rounds of the, the Premier t 20 so they've been a good opportunity for us to have a look at some players um, as well as the belt up country cup so far so as I said well and truly into the um, into the selection process there's also been some um, programs and camps run on the senior women's side as well and we're hoping to have those I think um, we're looking to have those teams named uh, fairly shortly or at least trimmed down so um, yep looking forward to that we've got a really proud history at the um, at the Australian Country Cricket Championships um, so we're looking forward to getting across to Newcastle and um, giving it another crack. Just so if somebody's listening in and, and perhaps is is working their way through and uh, feels as though they're showing some good form in cricket and perhaps this year isn't their opportunity but future years is, probably we want to call out that the Belt Up uh, Country Cup is is probably the place you want to, you know, put your name forward first. That opportunity, it's either with, with Albany, with yeah. Bunbury, with Peel... Or if you're in one of the areas that doesn't include those three that I just mentioned, put your name forward for WA Invitational 11 and certainly the opportunities that then flow from there are directly relational with uh, the Australian Country Cricket Championships, which I've called out on a number of the previous podcasts is, for some people, the highest level of cricket that you'll play. And we've heard from so many guests, Craig Tonkin in the last episode, through to Glenn Deering, Richard Savage... Um, we've had um, Shane Bidwell, we've had a number of guests who just simply look back across their career now and go, the best times of their lives were playing at the Australian Country Cricket Championships and that's where they really got to test themselves as players and to learn how, uh, how to play the game at a high level. We've got our programs that have been 
iconic in WA country cricket for a long time now, Junior Country Week and Senior Men's Country Week in the month of January. Um, how's that starting to come together, Andrew? Yeah, so this is the time of year when it all does start coming together. So yeah. um, team nominations went out um, went out on Friday for both Senior Men's Country Week and uh, Junior Country Week. Um, sorry, Senior Men's Country Week's taking place between the 14th and the 19th of January next year and Junior Country Week 8th to the 12th of January next year. Um, and as you said, these are iconic programs, but they're also really important programs if you want to get selected and put your name up, um, to, you know, to go further in the pathway. And, and to that end, um, Senior Women's Country Week takes place on the 2nd to the 4th of March. And I, I think, I guess, with Senior Women's Country Week, it really is an opportunity for, yeah. um, you know, for, for ladies to get their name on our, on our radar. And the property are set up really well now with Chris Secker in his role to be across um, you know, players coming through. So it's now is probably not. It probably hasn't been a better time to really um, put your, for, your foot forward and try and get selected in some of these teams. Yeah, and again, we we mentioned the Build Up Country Cup, but also Senior Men's Country Week. There's a lot of notice taken of performances at at Senior Men's Country Week, as there is for Junior Country Week for those coming through into our Country Colts program um, at various stages. Once they sort of hit that. Uh, 16, 17, 18-year-old range, um, plenty of opportunity to put your name forward. You don't want to miss those competitions if you can. So we'll just call it out again. Junior Country Week, 8th to the 12th of January 2024. Senior Men's Country Week, 14th to the 19th of January 2024. And talking about our WA Country Colts, another iconic match that hasn't been round maybe as long as Junior and Senior Country Week, but certainly has been around for the best part of over a decade now is what we call our David Nat Cup match, which happens and has been happening uh, since uh, the early 210s. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that rolls out, Andrew? Yeah, sure. So, look, the, the David Nat Cup, as you said, is um, uh, is a really important match on the calendar for country cricket. I mean, David was a, um, an outstanding servant to, to country cricket, um, well-known and you know his legacy deserves to be continued through through this match. Um, it's being played on the 18th of February. Um, we're returning to Hillcrest, um, the home of um, Bayswater Morley this year. And um, normally, Rob, we uh, we play a as you're aware, we play a, a, a Masters game, Masters Country versus Masters Metro on the adjoining oval. But we've decided this year to to take a little bit of a, a, a different uh, tact, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I've always felt been missing from our pathway is once um, our players go through the junior pathway up to under 15s, there's a real drop off between that 15, 16 year old age yeah. group up to when they can be selected for Colt. So we're currently working on um, a proposal to try and get a um, some sort of competition up and running to keep those kids or those young players, both boys and girls, interested so that we don't lose um, touch with them. So as a first step, we're going to trial uh, this year at the David uh, Nat Cup match on the adjoining oval. We're actually going to select another two country Colts teams. So we'll pick um, what we consider to be our best team to play the old guys, and then we'll have a couple of we'll have uh, the next the next best twenty two um, over on the other on the other oval at Hillcrest up up. So the idea being that you know we, we provide an opportunity, we get these kids in front of our selectors and. Um, and more importantly, have some discussions with them about, you know, their cricket journey, where they want to go and those sorts of things so we can keep in tabs with them. And then hopefully if that's really, if the interest in that's really good, then we'll look to to progress the proposal to come up with something a bit more formal as we go into the future over the next couple of seasons. So, yeah, very exciting. And, you know, Jared Hansen, um, who's our cricket manager down in the Great Southern, has been a really big advocate of this and uh, he's driving that program, he's done a great job. So I think it's something to look forward to from for those um, men aged between, say, 16 and 19. I think it's an outstanding decision for those of us in the older group who are thinking, oh, but 
what, so we've been bumped off? No, we haven't. That game will still the country versus city, the metro over 50s, over 60s and country over 50s and 60s will still take place in uh, in the latter part of February. I'll, I'll try and bring some more uh, detail on that in our next episode of the podcast. So it's still going to happen, but that's going to happen out in the country and this the new initiative of an additional Colts match on the same venue, at the same venue as the David and Nat Cup match, got to say that one a few times to get it out right, um, is really, really a great initiative and well done to the country team at WA Cricket for for innovating in that way. 18th of February and uh, we're really, really looking forward to that. You mentioned Senior Women's Country Week. Do you want to just uh, spell out the dates for that as well? We're so excited about our Women's Country Week. It's been going from strength to strength. When are we going to see that next year? Yeah, we're looking forward to another great carnival. Last year's was outstanding, not to say that the others prior to that weren't, but um, being hosted down in Bunbury for the second year, um, between the 2nd and 4th of March. Um, I know that Preparate, the, the ladies have already started preparing Um to get ready. I, I know there's uniforms being organised and accommodation and all sorts of things, but yeah, another terrific weekend of uh, women's cricket and we're really looking forward to seeing this grow to a point where, um, you know, we, we, we grow the number of teams, but, you know, that'll happen as we once we get more girls playing in the country um, and that's part of the reason why we're focusing on the young ones so much so that they do flow through and um, yeah. it becomes sustainable long-term. I think it was one of the most vivid memories of last season was driving to towards Hay Park when the Women's Country Week, first day of Women's Country Week, and seeing ovals just filled with colour, all the all the ladies in their coloured uniforms with the white ball. It just I, I remember pulling over on the side of the road and just sitting there and and going, this is cricket. This is amazing. And uh, to see that in action and to, to know that it's going to happen again this summer, I'm really, really looking forward to it already. And then the final one that we'll just touch on, because there's plenty of old guys out there as well going, yeah, what about our Country Masters Carnival? Uh, it definitely has continued to grow over many, many seasons, again, going back to the early 210s, the WA Country Masters Carnival for the over 40s and over 50s. Um, again, we've got some uh, um, nominations that no doubt will be available very soon, but do you want to call out the dates of that carnival again for us, Andrew? Yep, so n- nothing to fear. This um, this carnival survived me getting COVID last year and still <laughs> still managed to run itself. Um, so um, I have no doubt that... Yeah, thank, uh, thanks for that, just uh, quietly. COVID yeah. hitting us again, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, no worries. Uh, it was a very unfortunate timing, but uh, yeah, of all the weekends to get COVID, I chose to get it that weekend. But yeah, 22nd to the 24th of March, uh, again, Bunbury and Surrounds, um, obviously highlighted by the uh, the dinner at uh, the uh, Donnybrook Cricket Club on the Saturday night, and um, when you're talking iconic events, this is definitely definitely one of them. You only have to turn up to that dinner to get uh, <laughs> an idea of what icon and iconic means when it comes to <laughs> cricket and old blokes and Marin and all sorts of uh, shenanigans. So uh, uh, terrific. I'm sure everyone's looking forward to it. Every, everyone's career has, has grown four legs by that stage, you know, by about <laughs> not 10 or 11 o'clock on the Saturday night. Everybody's a way better cricketer than they actually ever were, but uh, we'll just uh, we'll run with that's part of the, the mythology of uh, the WA Country Masters Carnival that we all love. Um, so the, uh, oh, the I weekend... I think they deserve to have the mayo on it, uh, Rob. <laughs> not a problem at all. Yes. <laughs> so 20, 22nd and the 24th of March and um, in the next episode of the podcast, I'll also try to uh, bring a little bit more information. Keep your eye on um, email communications uh, in relation to nominations for that, which will be coming out very soon. But also the other source of communication that we want to mention or I'd love for you to mention, Andrew, is our WA Country Cricket Board Facebook site um, and the importance that if you're not in sort of invested in that, you're probably missing again some of these dates. So one of those moments where you're at the pub or whatever going, oh, I didn't know about that. Uh, well, the, the the Facebook site, even if you're not into Facebook, find somebody in your family who is to keep an eye on the WA Country Cricket Board Facebook site. We regularly post on that, Andrew, and uh, all these dates are regularly on there as well. 
Yeah, that's right. Um, Rob, I, I think I said at the last meeting that our Facebook site is um, probably our um, number one method of communicating. We have um, a lot of members and a lot of people following our page. It's actually WA Country Cricket Board. So look, if you're um, not following that, it's probably a good idea that you do that. All these dates get confirmed and, and posted on there. Um, I will just take this opportunity as well to let everyone know that the um, website of the WA Country Cricket Board is being redeveloped at the moment. So after the, the rollout of Play HQ from My Cricket, um, ours was a My Cricket website, so um, it's no longer functional. But I'm in the process of actually updating our website, which will be a lot better than the previous one, and it will have links and dates uh, to all these um, all these events and information rules, all those sorts of things. I'm hoping to have that out before the end of this month up and running. Um, IT is not my... 100% specialty, but I am working my way through that process of transferring all the information across. But um, looking forward to seeing what that uh, looks like. But of course, that'll be another another area to refer to if you need anything. Well, we won't mention it, but for those who are a little bit informed, uh, let's say when it comes to IT and WA Country, the ghost of Steve Phillippe still lives on. Uh, not suggesting, by the way, any chance that Steve's moved on by any... But I'll just correct that. Uh, the ghost of Steve Phillippe's IT acumen still lives on, let's call it that. I can see a very nasty retort coming in a text to me if uh, Mr Phillippe listens in on this episode, I'm sure. Um well, Andrew, that, that's where we're going to leave um, the programs for this year. We will continue to roll out those any dates, changes through our Facebook site, but also through this podcast. We really encourage everyone to stay tuned. Um, this episode has been a real revelation to me because I've learned things about yourself that uh, I probably didn't know and I've worked alongside you for a little while now. <laughs> so uh, it's been really great to have a chat with you. We can't finish any episode of Out on the Paddock without what I call the power surge where I just get to uh, fire a few quick um, oh uh, questions at you. Yeah, oh dear, your team uh, are, are no doubt urging me on in the background to fire a couple at you. Uh, I'll be I'll be <laughs> gentle, I promise. So uh, four quick questions. Uh, Favourite cricketer growing up? Who was who's your idol? Uh, Kimberly John Hughes. Ah, and I'm sure by a long stretch. I'm sure occasionally you might bump into him in the in the hallways of the Wacker. I'm guessing from time to time. Uh, he's I have he, he's sometimes floating around. I have seen him around the place. Uh, he once rang me for my birthday to wish me happy birthday, and I. Uh, I was in so much shock, I nearly forgot what to say. <laughs> so, uh, no, I was uh, in awe of that man, um, the way he played, and, yeah, just amazing. What amazing cricketer. If you have never seen Kim Hughes batting, go back and watch an old YouTube of him playing against the West Indies on a on the worst MCG Boxing Day test wicket you could ever imagine. It was an absolute shocker, and he took him on and played, made one of the great hundreds of Australian cricket. Well worth going and having a watch. When Andrew Hayes gets yep. home, and I reckon you've got a good chance that you're, that's where you're wanting to be right now, you don't want these questions, but when Andrew, finish this sentence, Andrew Hayes likes to get home and dot, dot, dot. Lie on the couch uh, and watch cricket. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd heard My a rumour. now shaking her head going, <laughs> why did you say that? <laughs> I'd heard a rumour that that uh, might be your answer, so uh, it was a leading question, so there you go. Okay. Uh, question four, as we start to wind up. We have had, as one of our sponsors over many years, Alcohol Think Again. It's now Think Mental Health, and we might uh, unpack that on a future episode a little bit more sometime, a really, really important aspect of today's society, Think Mental Health and its importance to cricketers and both men and women and, and boys and girls for that matter. But Alcohol Think Again was a, a major sponsor for many years of WA Country Cricket. Yep. We call it out, responsible drinking, but what quiet drop does Andrew Hayes like to enjoy? What's uh, what, what When you're on the couch, what's in the cricket, what's in the in the right hand? Uh, a Bournemouth cider. Oh, Every day. nice, nice. Yep. Very good, yes, Not, yeah, yep. I'm, a, I'm a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, um, Chris Secker, also known as Chippy, got me onto that stuff and uh, we've never looked back. Love it, absolutely <laughs> love it. Final question, probably the most important question of the lot. I've asked this in a number of forums recently and as I've called out, it can divide a nation. It can divide, in fact, the world potentially. Andrew Hayes, uh, on your toast, is it Promite or Vegemite? Absolutely, 100% Vegemite. 
Oh, wow. I, I, I'm just, I, here I was holding you out on a pedestal. I am a promite, man. I, I don't know. I, Vegemite, come on. Really? Oh, I, I don't know how you can put promite in your mouth. I, <laughs> I just cannot, cannot do it. And at the moment, all that's in my cupboard is a bottle of promite, is a jar of promite. There's no Vegemite and I can't have it. I just can't. I've even tried it and I just cannot have it. Sorry. It was an easy uh, one, Rob. You need to come to the dark side, Andrew. Uh, the, the connoisseur enjoys a good slather of promite on their toast in the morning. Well, certainly this connoisseur does anyway. But anyway, on that, on that uh, somewhat awkward note, we might uh, finish this episode of Out on the Paddock. <laughs> Andrew Hayes, has been an absolute pleasure to have you joining us. It's been great to unpack um, a little bit of your journey but also the important role that you part play uh, for all of us involved in WA cricket as the area manager for country WA and, and the team that you lead that you uh, explained a bit about in uh, the earlier part of this episode. Wish you all the best for season 23-24 and thank you for joining us today on Out on the Paddock. Great, Rob. Thank you very much and um, just want to finish by saying to the country people out there, the country audience, thanks for allowing me to be part of your your community and uh, in some cases your families. Um, it's something that I'll always look back on regardless of where I go to from here. But um, I just love my job and I love working for country and I love advocating and representing you at this level. So, yeah, look, keep up the good work out there. I know that there's some tough times going on, but um, your value to cricket um, is not lost on me or anyone here that's working at WA Cricket. So all the best and I look forward to seeing you all out there very soon. Fantastic way to wrap up. So there you have it, folks. Episode 24 of Out on the Paddock. That's a wrap. We look forward to you joining us on episode 25 very soon where we'll continue to roll out um, everything WA regional cricket, the legends, the clubs, the people, the volunteers, everybody who's associated. We love capturing the various journeys of different people and uh, you can do that by tuning into episode 25 of Out on the Paddock. And, well, long live WA Country Cricket. Thanks for joining us. 